Thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. there. Welcome back to season number three of Hand to Hand in the Trenches. Yes, and thank you so much for tuning in. We're excited to have y'all. We have another great season lined up with some amazing and exciting new stories. Yes, yes, we do. And, uh, and we're grateful and humbled, as always, to have you with us again. Um, now, Caleb, hang on. We might just have some brand new listeners, which I'm really, really, really hoping that we do. And if we do, is there anything that we need to talk to them about before we get started? Yeah, well, um, well, obviously this is uh, the first episode of a new season, so you can jump in and start listening right here, and that would be great. But uh, we do want to tell you that uh, if you enjoy this story, you might want to go back and listen to seasons one and uh, season two, because those are some really great Baptist history stories as well. Yes, they are. Just a really quick preview. In season one, we talked about Georgie Benz and his family. Brother Benz was a Baptist preacher in the Soviet Union who spent some eight years in prison camp for the cause of Christ. And we also talked about Michael Sattler. He was an Anabaptist preacher who was burned at the stake for his faith in the 1500s. And that's just a sample. So, uh, so we hope that you'll go back and listen to all those stories. And then also, we hope everyone will go and follow us on Facebook. It's at uh, Hand to Hand Ministries, Hand to Hand Ministries on Facebook. We hope you'll go and follow us there. And also, if you're not on the email list already, we hope you go to the website missionarystory.org and sign up for the email list. And we always send out reminders of when a new podcast is coming out. So we hope you'll do that. Yes. All right. Well, now that we have those things taken care of, what story are we going to be talking about today, Caleb? Yeah, this week we're starting the story of Baxter Frank McClendon, also known as Cyclone Mac because of his uh, personality and his bombastic preaching style. Sounds like fun. 
anyone with the name Cyclone Max has got to be a cool person to talk about. That's that's true. I agree with that. Yeah, but it's not Max. Mac. Mac. You're Cyclone right. Cyclone Mac. You're that's right. all right. Um, so we're uh, ready to get into the story. Uh, I think it'll be fun, and so let's go ahead and get started. Okay, well, Baxter McLennan was born on April 14th of 1879 near Little Rock, South Carolina. His father, Thomas McLennan, and his mother, Jenny, were a poor couple during those years after the destruction of the Civil War. Baxter's father worked as a manager of a plantation And, as was common in those days, the whole family would have to help work in the fields just to make ends meet. Baxter, along with his younger brother Murray and his little sister, Mary, would spend long, hot hours in the sun helping to chop cotton, and Baxter hated it. This is dumb. Let me tell you something right now. When I grow up... I'm not going to spend my life in a hot cotton field. That's for sure. Baxter, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't know yet. I can tell you what I'm going to do right now. I'm going swimming. But we ain't done yet. I'll be back. Are you coming or not? Now, as I'm sure the listeners have already begun to gather, Baxter was a rebel from a very young age. Yes, and he had a lot of charisma, and people wanted to like him. I mean, they just wanted to. But he made it very hard for anyone around him to like him because he was so rebellious. He didn't want to be told what to do by anybody. Right. Well, one story that illustrates his rebellious streak goes like this. One afternoon, when Baxter was still quite young, maybe five or six, his mother took him to visit his grandma's house. His grandmother lived across a pine forest and they had to walk a small, wandering trail to get there and then again on their way back home. When it was evening, his mother announced that it was time for them to go home. All right, Baxter, say goodbye to Grandma. I don't want to leave. It's getting late. Your papa will be wondering where we are if we don't get home. Now get over here and give your grandma a hug goodbye. No, I'm not going. I'm staying here. No, you're not. You're going home with me. Boy, you mind your mama now, you hear? Fine. If I have to leave, I won't open my eyes till I get home. Well... Mama didn't pay his claim much attention at all, and she started down the narrow path with Baxter right by her side. But, true to his word, Baxter kept his eyes shut tight. Of course, he quickly began running into tree branches and tripping over tree stumps. Ouch! Baxter, open your eyes and walk right. It's no wonder you keep tripping. But still, that rebellious little boy kept his eyes shut tight. And he kept tripping and bumping into things the entire way. Finally, Mama had enough, and she pulled a switch off of a nearby tree. Baxter, this is so you will learn to obey your mother. 
though his mother spanked him all the way home, he never opened his eyes until he heard his father's voice and he knew they were home. What's the matter, Jenny? What'd the boy do? Why, he's been disobedient and belligerent ever since we left Grandma's. When Grandma heard the story of how he had continued with his childish and rebellious annex all the way home, in spite of both self-inflicted injuries from tripping and his mother's whipping, she made a comment that, looking back, seems prophetic. I reckon that boy will either be hung or become a preacher. Another very important event happened when Baxter was five years old. One cold, windy day in March, Baxter's dad was plowing for cotton down by the creek, and Baxter and his mother were watching from the cabin, when all of a sudden they saw him stop. He started running across the field like a jackrabbit and shouting all the way. Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! Amen! Thomas, what on earth is wrong? Darling, nothing's wrong. It's wonderful. I met the Lord down there. Jenny, I got born again. Praise the Lord! Oh, Thomas, that's wonderful to hear. Thomas McClendon picked up Baxter and hugged him so tight then he put him back down, and he began pacing in front of the house, clapping his hands and praising God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving my soul. Even as a young child, when Baxter saw all of this, he knew that his father was a changed man. It would still be many years before Baxter himself became a Christian, but from that moment on, he always knew that Christianity was real. After that, the McClendon family joined a Methodist church and started having family altar time every night where they would pray together and read the Bible as a family. Tonight, we're reading Psalms 116. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Now, when it came time for Baxter to start school, he very quickly decided that he didn't like that either. And not because he wasn't smart. Young Baxter was as sharp as a tack, and he had been blessed with an incredible memory. He could easily memorize facts, numbers, and dates, so he could have easily been the best student in the entire little school. The simple fact was, Baxter hated school because there would be teachers, and in his young mind, that was just someone else telling him what to do. But there was another reason that Baxter hated school. You see, because his family was poor, Baxter, as well as his brother Murray and his little sister Mary, had to wear homemade clothes and clunky, brogan-style shoes, while all their classmates wore stylish, store-bought clothes and nice button-up shoes. So, Baxter dealt with it the only way he knew how. He made excuses to fight with every boy in school. 
Sometimes the other boys would make fun of him or one of his siblings' clothes, and Baxter would be right there ready with an uppercut and a roundhouse right. But more often than not, Baxter would just make up a reason to fight another boy. Baxter felt like, whether it was true or not, he felt like the other boys thought they were better than him because of their clothes, so he would just look for a reason to fight with them. And I think, Caleb, that's what we call having a chip on one's shoulder. That's right. Well, Baxter would get in a fight at school almost every week. Hey, leave my little sister alone! Mac, what are you talking about? I haven't even talked to your sister. Baxter didn't really do anything. I saw you making fun of my little sister. Now I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. Take this. Take that. Take this. Hey, YouTube, break it up. Stop it. Stop it right now. Whenever the teachers would catch Baxter fighting, as was the custom in those days, they would often punish him with a good paddling. On one occasion, Baxter had a fight with a boy named Toby. This one was actually a legitimate fight because Toby had hit Baxter's younger brother, Murray. Baxter fought with him until he promised to leave his little brother alone. But when the teachers got involved, they told both boys to say sorry or receive a good spanking. Toby quickly apologized, but Baxter was having none of it. I'm not going to say sorry because I'm not sorry. I'm glad I whipped Toby. If he ever hits my little brother again, I will whip him even worse. So, Baxter was punished for fighting. Later on, sitting on a log all alone in the swampy woods, where he had gone to meditate on the injustice of it all. If I lied like Toby, I would have gotten off too. It's not fair. They're only picking on me because my family's poor. You see, even though many of his fights were brought on by himself, Baxter always saw himself as the underdog and as a kind of protector of the weak, which was partially, partially true. Baxter always had trouble with his teachers because of his constant fighting and his rebellious nature. One time, on his way to school, on the first day of a brand new year, Baxter overheard two of his teachers talking. Look, there's that mean Baxter McClendon. I wish he had stayed at home. Baxter didn't say anything out loud, but he thought to himself, Just you wait, old girl. I'll give you a nice time this year. But that year, Baxter got a new principal. Mrs. Bella Rogers, who was a born-again Methodist lady, and she decided to try and befriend him. You know, Baxter, I've been hearing that you are a very bad boy, but I don't believe it. I think you're a good boy, and I think you're going to become a good man. You and I will get along fine together because I like you. Ma'am, these teachers are always being unfair to us poor kids, and I won't stand for it. I know you won't, Baxter, and I don't blame you. I also know that some of the other boys have been teasing you. 
I want you to know that they won't ever do it around me. You're a smart boy, and I know you can be a good student. You can learn anything if you just want to. Baxter was amazed at Mrs. Rogers' simple kindness, and he made up his mind to please her. He started studying more and even would stay inside during recess so that he would not be tempted to fight on the playground. Even so, Baxter was still a lost soul who had still never met the only person that can really change a rebellious heart. Then, one Saturday, when Baxter was 14 years old, his dad stopped him. Baxter, there's a really great preacher, Dr. Carradine, who is preaching a tent revival over in Bennettsville tomorrow. Do you want to go with me to hear him preach? Now, because the McClendons lived on a farm in the days before radio and television, it was always a great treat to go to town for any reason. So Baxter was excited about going to the tent revival. On Sunday morning, they hitched up the mule to the buggy and drove the long road to Bennettsville. It was a long drive, so they arrived at the tent after the service had already started. Baxter sat on the very last bench with some of the other boys. The old preacher was preaching the gospel, but the boys were all a little distracted, you know, cutting up and kind of playing with each other a little. But then the revivalist stopped. He looked right at those boys, and he spoke to them directly. You little boys are in the back. I hope you'll come down here to the front tonight and give your heart to God. He may call some of you to preach one day. The very thought of this struck Baxter like a bolt of lightning. Was it even possible that God could call a boy from a poor family to preach? Was it possible that God had a plan just for his life? It would still be a good many years before Baxter would become born again. But all through the rest of his life, even while he was living a life of crime as a criminal, way down deep inside, Baxter McClendon always felt that God still had a plan for him. Now, sadly, I'm doing this, Kim, because I remember last year you had to do it a lot. And you were my friend and you care. Right. So sadly, sadly, that's where we're going to have to stop the story for today. There's just not enough time. All right. But we really hope that everyone will come back next week when we take some time and start talking about Baxter's life as a young man. Right. And uh, also, as you can imagine, a rebellious boy will oftentimes grow up to be a rebellious man. Yes. Next week, we'll talk about Baxter's life as a criminal, bootlegger, and gambler. All right. Well, until then, we will leave you with this verse of Scripture. The Bible says, Proverbs 4, verses 19 through 22, The way of the wicked 
is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh.